Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at luckylandslots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18+. Plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. On this November the 21st, 2013, we're in the book of Revelation, chapter 4, which is part 2 of our overall series. Tonight we are <coughs> on lesson 4 within the fourth chapter, and if you are looking at the internet, it would be episode 29. <coughs> First thing I want to I want to give you just two points to think about is the first part of this chapter John is simply telling us what he saw he is describing what he saw he is describing what he saw prior to him seeing the event So the first thing is what he saw, and we'll look at that again, but just to keep in mind, the, I'm just giving you two points to the chapter. First, he's telling us what he saw, and then he is telling us, secondly, what those whom he saw do and say. That's the latter part of the chapter. And if you keep that in mind, it will help um, keep everything clear, I think. So you notice that um, uh, in in verse 2, immediately I was in spirit. There's no article there. And behold, a throne was standing in heaven. That's what he saw. And he's telling him in verse 1, you come up here and I will show you what must take place. Well, first of all, he's telling us, John is telling us what he saw before he's going to be told about the things that must take place. See the difference? So the, one of the first things he sees is this, this marvelous description of the one sitting on the throne. One who has a rainbow sitting under the rainbow around the throne. <coughs> and the rainbow is like an emerald in appearance. And around the throne he saw 24 thrones. Again, they were not empty thrones. They were occupied by whom? 24 elders. elders. We suggested to you that those 24 elders uh, are or represent 
uh, from First uh, Chronicles 24, the the uh, the 24 lots of the priesthood that here the 24 elders represent the royal priesthood. Uh, that's an idea to entertain because if we keep in mind that what John is looking at is what he is allowed to see as things still were. So keep that in mind at that time. So in verse 5, and we did, we did, we discussed more of the 24 elders last week, but in verse 5, <clears throat> we have out of the throne or out from the throne. And, and the word should be out. It's ek. It means out of. Coming out of the throne. So you you got to get a picture of that throne and then coming out of the throne. <clears throat> flashes of lightning. Sound. Peals of thunder. And there were seven lamps of fire burning before the throne. So out of the throne comes what? Lightning. All right. That would get your attention. And when you realize that they're coming out of the throne... Don't question the capability of what takes place from the throne. That's right. You can imagine uh, the power on it. You've got to remember that when we get come into this book, that what's taking place is taking place because of the capability of what it is that comes out of the throne. And we discussed the seven spirits of God, not seven persons of God, but seven representations of God's knowledge, God's wisdom, light, knowledge, the source is all there before the throne. So out of the throne comes the impression that the throne has the capability of handling any issue. Before the throne, you have the seven sources of light or of knowledge. And that's in verse 5. And then verse 6. And I think we discussed some of that last week. And, be, and, and now, before the throne a little more before the throne, there was something like a what? A glass, like crystal. So now, now we're getting some physical, graphic 
picture here. Out of the what's coming out of the throne, and the seven the seven lamps before the throne immediately. Now we see a sea of glass, like crystal. And in the center and around the throne, four living. Now, if you look that up, I want to show you something here in the Greek, if you can. Uh, that you're, you're, yeah, you go, uh, run it down just about half. There you go. You see, uh, um, you see the word there for beast. The word beast. Now look, uh, let's. Uh, we, uh, it's a live thing. And um, my Bible translates it living. But it just simply means life. So the creatures is not in the original text. The word beast, that what does that do to you when you see the word beast? Makes me think of a, of a certain entity. Um, an animal. And just an animal. A living creature is probably a better impression, but when you see just a figure of life, beast, yeah. And, you know, um, So zoe is the word for life, in spite of what it says there. I mean, this is a little different um, derivative of it, but um, it's it's translated life or the quick. It's kind of like, have you ever hit the quick in your fingernail? I'll tell you how to make it hurt. That's it. That'll do it every time. I had a brand new 32-ounce framing hammer with the waffle head. Out of Ray Clement's house. And I was having a hard time getting my arm around a corner and getting a uh, 20-penny sinker into a three-by-four. They don't use three-by-fours up here, I don't think. Um, and um, with the so I, I got back, and I really, I mean, I gave that thing everything I had. I was going to get that thing. And wouldn't you know it, I hit my thumb head-on. And I think they squirted blood about 15 feet into the hall, into the house. <laughs> now it didn't hurt immediately. Immediately, I got sick to my stomach. Mm-hmm. Made me sick. 
<clears throat> That's what happens when you hit the quick. That's the living part, the life, the part that has the feeling to it. So that's the word here that's translated living creatures. But it, it just means an embodiment of life. See, that's, what, that's all the word that is there, right? Did you follow me there? All right, it's the embodiment of life. And it's represented here by these various characteristics. So we have now, before you come to the throne, where the seven lights are, the seven lamps, you've got a sea of glass. And in the center and around the throne, four living creatures. We'll go back to how it's translated now, so that, uh, because we now have it defined. You think, of the, uh, you think of the definition when we read the terms as it is. Four embodiments of life. Four living creatures, and they have a unique feature to them in verse 6. What is it? They have eyes in front and behind. I always thought it would really be fun to have an eye on the end of my index finger. You know, go around and look at corners, you know. So you hit it with a hammer. <laughs> but anyway, um, <clears throat> but eyes in front. So they're embodiments of life. What's their visual limitation? <laughs> they really unlimited. Eyes, 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 eyes. There is no blind spot to these embodiments of life. Eyes in front and behind. The same way a lot of kids describe their mothers. Yeah. 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 There is... um, So th- these are these are the things that he is seeing. It doesn't have anything to do with where he's going, as far as things that are come things that are going to come to pass hereafter. Here is what he saw. Now, the part that he is being shown these things for isn't taken place yet. Hasn't taken place yet. <clears throat> he hasn't got to that point yet in the discussion. Yes. Uh, question: uh, Should should we, uh, while we're reading this and trying to trying to understand it, uh, always keep in mind as we read it and as we try to understand it that these their their physical things are not in heaven. Correct. I mean, we've talked about that just almost ad nauseum. It's can't. It's not yeah. physical. John isn't physical in heaven. We talked about that, right? Yeah. And we got 
faces and wings and eyes and so they're representative only for our sake. Yeah, and and so oftentimes here it says similes. You know, I mean, it says like as, like this, like that. Um, Yeah, or how do you describe the taste of chocolate to somebody who's never tasted it? You know, there's some things you can't do. You have to fabricate some way. Yeah. No, it's not easy. But we should be getting, uh, excuse me, Nolan. Well, the other thought that came into my mind as we're talking about these things is that it seems like this is something that we could read over and over and over and over again and not ever get to the bottom. You know, like just for example, this popped into my head that eyes front and back is, I think, of all seeing. Oh, yeah. All seeing. No limitations, like David said. And then just a couple of verses down, you know, their hymn, their song of praise, or their or their chant, or however it's, it said that they were singing, right? Or they... They do not. Say. Okay, so. Just a thought. Yeah. Probably we ought to take a little bit of time now to go to Second Chronicles. Second Chronicles chapter four. <clears throat> and <clears throat> it's not necessary. But I thought as long as we're going through here, it may have some value to you all to be exposed beyond just the immediate text because a lot of us haven't spent a lot of time in the Old Testament. I I wish that we had taken time prior to Revelation to the study Ezekiel, the Chronicles, uh, some of the other books. But you know, you can't background forever. At some point, you got to get into it. And uh, here... I have a reason for going to Second Chronicles chapter 4. <clears throat> but I also, before we go there, I want to show you something else. And keep Second Chronicles 4 and slip back to me to Ezekiel. Don't lose your spot because we're coming right back. <clears throat> because if you want a biblical definition of who these embodiments of life, these living creatures are. Reflect on this in um, 
Ezekiel. Did I say Ezekiel? Chapter 10. No, you know, here I got a. What'd you say? Oh, I don't think I have it down there. Uh, you should write this down, though. Ecle- uh, Ezekiel 10, 18 through 20. <clears throat> because when we get to Ezekiel 1, it's going to kind of explain what we're doing here. Then the glory of the Lord and the glory of the Lord is defined in Ezekiel chapter one. Did you hear me say that? By the way, I'm hoping that computer works for you. Hope so too. I hope so too. It looks like it's all right. He said he thought it was quite a bit faster. Uh, <clears throat> But he said it's old. <laughs> yeah. Then the glory of the Lord departed from the threshold of the temple and stood over the cherubim. Ten eighteen. Chapter ten, Ezekiel, verse eighteen. This is going to be a mind set. When the cherubim departed, they lifted their wings, rose up from the earth in my sight with the wheels beside them. Now remember, he is bringing into the vision here what he is describing in chapter 1. We're going to be there in a little bit. And they stood still at the entrance of the east gate of the Lord's house, And the glory of the God of Israel hovered over them. Now verse 20. These are the living beings, the living creatures, that I saw beneath the God of Israel by the river Shabar, So I knew that they were what? Cherubim. So what do you think I'm going to suggest to you here on the basis of that verse? That the living embodiments of life and because of what we find, where we find them and what they're doing, we're going to suggest that the four embodiments of life, the four living creatures, are the cherubim. Is that what we just read? Yes. In chapter 10, verse 20? That's not in your notes. Well, you might want to write that down if it's important to you. Okay, now let's go back to Deuteronomy, or I mean Second uh, Chronicles. Because we're going to go back to Ezekiel 1, 2. 
just so that we have a little bit of exposure to things that in my lifetime I won't have time to deal with. You could spend easily, I could spend the rest of my life dealing with some of these old prophets. I just love them. Okay, Second Chronicles chapter 4. We want to look at verses 1 through 10. That is uh, listed here on under verse 6. <clears throat> and I want you to try, I tried to find pictures. I have no books anymore. I used to have books that had pictures in them of an artist's conception of what we're going to be reading about. If anyone has that, you're welcome to bring it. You know, you're, I'd love to see it uh, again. <clears throat> what? No. No, I read, I, I went through all of my books, and I found no picture describing what we're going to be reading here. So you have to try to form it in your mind first. So in verse 1, then he made a bronze altar. He's talking about of the construction taking place in Jerusalem of the temple. Now, there's a whole lot of detail about the cherubim and all in in chapter 3. But now we're looking at chapter 4, verse 1. He made a bronze altar, 20 cubits in length and 20 cubits in width. And there are two opinions about uh, about a cubit. It's either eight inches or 20 uh, some have it 20 inches 18 inches a foot and a half is normally uh, thought of I think I won't argue the point either way but 20 cubits in length and 20 cubits in width and 10 cubits in height now what's that representing all right the bronze altar and he made the cast <clears throat> Ten cubits from brim to brim. Circular and folks, I want you to really zero in on this for a minute. He made the cast C ten cubits. So the C was manufactured in what process? Casting. Casting, molten, right? You know? Boy, that's dirty work. I worked in a foundry in Ottawa, Iowa at night. <clears throat> you talk about a dirty, we, they, man, they uh, manufactured uh, manifolds and things like that. My job was shaking the sand came out of the, uh, the, you know, the molds, and then they would take the product out. Then that all that sand that they use for the mold has to be run through a cleaner. You have to, all was done by hand in those days with a shovel all night long. 105 degrees, hot, sultry. You'd breathe that black soot for weeks and months. But it paid pretty good money. 
while the rest of the kids couldn't pay their lunch bills, why, at least I could do that. <clears throat> also, he made the cast see ten cubits from brim to brim, circular in form, really a big hot tub. And its height was five cubits, and its circumference 30 cubits. Now, figures like oxen, not oxen, but like oxen, were under it and all around it, ten cubits entirely encircling the sea. The oxen were in two rows, cast, cast in how many pieces? Now you want to make a mold that size that can be cast. That's the job. And it stood on 12 oxen three facing the north, three facing west, three facing south, and three facing east, and the sea was set on top of them, and all their hindquarters turned inwards. But we're not done. It was a handbreadth thick, And its brim was made like the brim of a cup, like a lily blossom, and it could hold what? He also made ten basins in which to wash. And he set five on the right side, five on the left side, to rinse things for the burnt offering, but the sea was for the priest to wash in, to wash in. See why I'd like to have a picture of that? I can't describe it for you. Surely, you know, one of us has a book (laughs) where some artist has drawn this. Verse 10, or verse 7. Then he made the ten golden lampstands in the way prescribed for them, and he set them in the temple, five on the right side and five on the left. He also made, verse 8, ten tables and placed them in the temple, five on the right and five on the left, and he made one hundred golden bowls. Then he made the court of the priest and the great court and the doors for the court and overlaid their doors with bronze, and he set the sea on the right side of the house toward the southeast. Now this is primarily describing the sea. Where was the sea located? And where was it located in reference to the throne? In front of. And it was the separation that separated 
the common from the uncommon. So when we come into Revelation, we have a description of what the sea may mean in some of the places, and I'm not going to be radical there and saying that it always means that, but what do we think of when we see a sea? What does the sea, what does the Mediterranean Sea do besides what it has within itself? What does it do between two bodies of land? Separate, right? Sea is for separation. And so here the sea that is, is made, placed in the temple this way, was a symbol of separation. And look at all the work that went into how it was put together. And that to move from one part of it to the other, if you were at sacrificing, why there, you had to go through a basin. The sea was there. Uh, as the separation between the uncommon and the common. Um, Have you ever seen a picture of the um, Mormon Temple Baptistry? I don't, not that I remember. They have <clears throat> 12 bulls facing out with this big basin sitting on their back. And that's where they baptize. Okay. For the dead and whatever. Okay. So we've got to have a picture of it. I think we do somewhere. Yeah. yeah, if you do and find it, why um, that would be great to show. Um, <clears throat> but these things are, are in the temple where the exact copy of things in heaven. That's right. That's why they were precise and done in a, guided by the will of God, I guess you could say, to the craftsmen. Well, and you see the sea is what... It's like the Mormons have used it. I mean, in that sense, it made the difference between whether you were a, non- a Mormon or a non-Mormon. See, it was separation. Yeah. That That is this emphasis. So when we read about the sea, and there is no longer any sea in Revelation 21, it means there's no longer any separation. separation. Uh, We didn't deal with that, but I said we were going to deal with that later when we were there. I said, we'll come back and give you, well, that's what I'm doing tonight, is is, um, whatever it was there in Revelation 21 or 22. Uh, I'm not really crisp tonight, but um, verse 20, yeah, chapter 21. The The first heaven and the first earth passed away, and there is no longer any sea. 3,000 bats, uh, that's a, a measurement, a bat. Yeah. I forget how, how much it is, but it's a form of measurement. Uh, with, with Tanya, that would be probably 500 gallons. Uh-huh. <laughs> One of our baths, yeah. <laughs> but it is. It's a, uh, yeah, let's look it up in the, oh, we don't have that, do we? Do we? Yeah, you could probably find that word. It's going to tell us. We can try. The bath, yeah, it should describe it perfectly. I forget, I always forget about this. 
I mean, you go from, you know, you go from uh, right to left. Oh, a bath or human measurement as a means of division of liquids. It's a Hebrew measure, but he doesn't give us any information, does he? What it is, what's the formula? Yeah. Don't know what it is, and I don't know what it is. I know it was liquid, though. But that's a good point. Yeah, it's a form of, it's a, a measurement. I mean, we could basically see how big it is. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, they wouldn't have, they didn't have running water. They filled up their own bath. Probably. They knew how much water they needed, and that was probably a standard. Well, they had the Gishon Spring that came up in that area. They had water constantly, but they brought it up. When did when did Mount uh, Vesuvius erupt on Pompeii? Seventy-two or yeah, you know I've I've been there and they still have they they made copper they flattened they had they made uh, lead sheets of lead about so wide. Then they have had an instrument that would curl it, and they'd solder it. And they had running water in 70 A.D. in Vesuvius. And it's still there. You can still see it. And you can see the solder lines, but they claim that's why those people were all so small of stature, is because they've been poisoned by the lead. But it was a luxurious living there. It was as good as you could get. I don't know how that is anymore, but when I was there, it was still pretty intact. That was in 1980 and 82. Did you drink plenty of water? Oh, I did, and it helped. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I went there with a full head of hair. <laughs> okay. So we we keep that is just a little bit of background to give us a little bit of an idea that some of these terms have their real symbolic meaning kind of hidden in some of these Old Testament references. Okay? Well, um, let's go over. So then I'm saying that it's very likely then that the four living creatures are very much like and being defined like the cherubim with certain functions and they did certain things, and we're going to find that they look very much alike. Not exactly, because, um, and we don't know why, at least I don't know why. Let's go to Ezekiel, and we're not going to take time to um, do more than just get into it. <clears throat> Ezekiel, Daniel, <clears throat> Chapter 1 and uh, verse 5. Chapter 1, verse 5. And all we're going to do is set the stage, and then we're going to jump over to verse 28, and we'll leave it there for the tonight. All right, verse 5. Within it there were figures. 
Resembling what? All right. Four living beings or four embodiments of life. And chapter 10, verse 20 of Ezekiel says they are what? They're, no, they're the cherubim. Remember that? Okay. The reason I'm asking that is so that at least it gets set in your mind that the four living creatures, keep that, go back, go back to Ezekiel 10 and verse 20. These are the living beings that I saw beneath the God of Israel by the river Chabar, so I knew that they were cherubim. So it seems as though the living creatures have uh, are also the cherubim, and the cherubim are the living creatures. And if you look at verse 15 of chapter 10, then the cherubim rose up. They are the living beings that I saw. See, see how they're tied together, cherubim. That's why I'm suggesting to you that the um, the living creatures are a representation of the cherubim. <clears throat> All right, so in chapter 1, verse 5, within it there were figures representing four living beings. Now, that's when we get to Revelation now, we're, now we are familiar with that terminology. And in their appearance in this case, they had human form. Ezekiel gives us a much deeper detail than Revelation does in chapter 4. But the people who were listening to John and reading John in chapter 4 already knew Ezekiel. And even though some of the details are different, remember he's not describing actuality. He is describing a representation of. We get, keep getting that confused. So, I want to close then in verse 28. <clears throat> and we want to come back because we're going to have the living creatures and the 24 elders over and over and over again in the book of Revelation. So, we need to have an idea who these folks are or what these things are, even though your view may be different than mine, um, you know, at least, least we know we've got a little bit of background. So in verse 28, kind of the key, I think, to the book, as the appearance of the rainbow in the clouds on a rainy day, so was the appearance of the surrounding radiance and now he is talking in the, in the surrounding radiance of everything that was around the throne. Such was the... So he's, he's telling you now, what I am concerned about are not all the details, but I want you through the details to learn something and what 
Ezekiel is saying, I want you to learn, is that this is representative of the likeness of the recognition of the Lord. If you miss that and you get caught up in all the details, then you're missing the point. He says the point of this is so that you have an idea of the glory of the Lord. Then, when he says, I saw it in verse 28, I fell on my face and I heard a voice speaking. Now he was prepared to listen. Why? Because he saw what represented the glory of the Lord, recognizing the Lord for who he was. That's the purpose behind everything in chapter 1. It isn't to get caught up in the wheels, not to get caught up in the eyes, not to get caught up in the burning coals of fire. Those are all to create an image because they together represent the glory of the Lord. And if that isn't our outcome of chapter 1, we've missed the point. And there are books and books and books written on chapter 1 that go to seed on so much of it. And yet the bottom line is verse 28. The thing is that Ezekiel was in the same place as John. That's right. He was there first. He was there first. And John should have probably, when he saw these things, what he thought about was exactly what Ezekiel had said a long time ago. That's right. In the presence of the Lord. In in spirit. In spirit. That's right. In the presence of the Lord, in spirit. And he was seeing then that he doesn't milk the details and describe or explain all of the details of chapter 1 except to tell you that this is the appearance of the glory of the Lord. This is representative. It's in the likeness of the glory of the Lord. Folks, that's what we need to see through John's eyes, the same as Neil said, because he was seeing the same thing as Ezekiel was seeing, but all of the details don't match, but the end result is what? He is representing to us the glory of the Lord. Because that's important for us to understand when we get into what the book of Revelation is dealing with that those people we're going to have to be dealing with. Any questions? Time's up. Anything doesn't make sense? Not asking you if it agrees, but you see what he's telling us in the first part of this book, one through seven or eight, he's just something telling us what he was seeing in preparation for what he was going to be told. And the latter part of this chapter, he's telling us what he saw them doing and saying, and that's in preparation for what he's going to be told about things to come. That's how we divide that book, that chapter up. Questions? <coughs> Ar- uh, arguments? 
on top of the ark, on top of the ism, or aren't those cherubim that are entwined their uh, wings on top of the ark? Yeah, go to First Chronicles 28. Oh no, we haven't got time. We're we're over time. But we'll we'll do that next week. I'll I'll show you several things that the cherubim do, without dwelling too much on it. At some point, we need to get through chapter four. But we put the cherubim together with the four creatures so far. Well, it just seems to me like that's what Ezekiel 10:20 says. I think it's pretty inescapable. Um, you just got to look a little closer. Yeah, and uh, you know, don't be a, don't be hesitant to challenge that. I got challenged on the Tuesday night class this week, royal, royally. <laughs> Maybe I should just look it up and not ask a dumb question. Wasn't it cher- cherubim that was set at the gate of the Garden of Eden? Yep, yep. And we'll deal with that next week too. We're, we're, I'm going to go through and show you the references where the cherubim are using are, are used and and what they did, because that gives us a clue as to what they're doing in Revelation. Yeah, because that was done. The you know the affectionate, uh, you know, the way that they're described like this, it's it's almost like they're uh, beloved pets or something. You know, I mean, I, I that thought went through my mind, but I think the pets might have some teeth, huh? Well, not only and and not only were they just living creatures, they got was so fond of them they had carvings made of them. Yeah, and, and that went through my mind too. It was the uh, there's a lot there. Yeah, <laughs> we don't know what it really looks like on the ark, but it was there. That, I mean, what it actually looked like to see it would have been interesting. It it really would. We all we have are some art. I've seen some artist conceptions. Yeah. Um, but I, I just simply don't have any of that stuff anymore. David, I have one last question. Okay. Um, let me collect my thoughts here. Okay, yeah. I, I've heard a couple of different... I've, I've listened to a couple of different shows. Um, is there any uh, that you know of, is there any mention of the Ark of the Covenant in secular history? Could have journaled it, right? Yeah. But he's he's a Jewish that Pharisee. Was, that was at, he he was far far after that that disappeared. I'm looking for it now. I've got tapes on it, you know. Ethiopia. Just trying to find it. It's in Ethiopia. Yeah. It's in, up the Nile, down the Nile. What? That's the general. Generally held position by historians is that it's somewhere in Ethiopia. Do you think it was taken up? I don't know where it is, but I don't think it's in Ethiopia. I think they've got one lowly man guarding this supposedly place where it's at. Come on now. <laughs> you think it was, if it was that valuable, if it was that wonderful, if it was that. Why would only one person be there guarding it? 
You'd think uh, somebody would have uh, snuck in there before now. Well, and then I got a film on it. It shows the place. Oh. Wasn't that wasn't that the reason why it eventually ended up there because of that and and other pursuits? Solomon and Sheba, their son. I don't know the. I don't know. I don't have a. I do not have a specific answer for you. Response to something I heard. Also, I don't know if we are we are we done recording. Oh. And I would say that last Sunday morning, I read a reference prophetically uh, that we dealt with in the Gospel of Luke, but I did it in the Old Testament that in the time of the Messiah, the ark would no longer be remembered, nor would it be looked for, oh, yeah. nor would anyone even think about it anymore. Is that Joel? No, not the verse I read anyway, um, and I don't remember I'm right off. i trying to find out where that verse oh, is. Oh, I've got it. Uh, don't, have it. don't think I've got it with me. Uh, no, I don't. Um, and... Um, yeah, we better. So we look forward to seeing all of you and hearing all of you uh, next uh, Thursday evening. That'll be the 28th of November. And, um, oh, that's Thanksgiving. So that probably means that next Thursday we don't have a session. I know we'll be booked. I'm glad we... What? I'll still be napping. <laughs> <laughs> Happy and napping. Hey, all right, all right. So uh, next Thursday, then the uh, the 28th of November, there will not be a Thursday night class. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for these precious moments of being with one another because we have a common interest in learning more about uh, the integrity of the word. As we discover it, may we be true to it with how we think, how we live. In Jesus' name, amen. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.